Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message from our special guest. Well, good morning, everyone. Selamat siang semuanya. Happy New Year. Happy New Decade. You realize we're back in the Roaring Twenties? A <laughs> hundred years ago, it was called the Roaring Twenties. Now we're back in the Twenties. So welcome to the Roaring Twenties. So this first minute or so, I'm going to probably be very red, nervous, stumble over a few words, but hopefully I'll get into it then, okay? So just, just bear with me. Thank you. <laughs> I brought, brought the cheerleaders, by the way. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I've been given what, I've, what I feel is uh, a great privilege here this morning. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Don and the church for giving this privilege to me. I get, to, I get to be the first to speak to you this year and this decade. And um, I want to speak to you about something that is very dear to me. And unfortunately, it's something that I fear. I fear it's being forgotten a bit and maybe even ignored a bit by many Christians today, to be honest with you. Uh, do you know, there are studies out there that show this, but I won't bore you with the statistics. But do you know that about half of the Christians who are asked in the world don't know what the Great Commission is. They don't know what it is. Can I have the... Yeah. The Great Commission. Um, I mean, I, if I was to ask in here today, how many would know what the Great Commission is? Would know exactly what it is, where it is? I'm guessing, going by the statistics, probably about half. So... Um, <laughs> So obviously, as the slide says, what I'm going to talk about today is the Great Commission. Uh, it's subtitled, Why Do We Exist? Um, so what is this, the Great Commission? I mean, what's all the fuss about? Why are there companies that go around polling, surveying whole countries and nations asking, do you know what this is? There must be something to it. it must, there, there must be something for these companies to need to do that. Well... In the Bible, the scripture that is recognized as the Great Commission is found in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Now, for the sake of today, I'm going to use the NIV translation, but I'm also going to show you the Passion translation, the TPT version as well. Um, so so let's just, before we get into it, let's just, just take a look at the, at the verses. Being new, I'm going to ask you guys to read along with me, if you don't mind. Uh, so if you can read it with me on three... One, two, three. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, wow, thank you. You've been so kind to me. <laughs> that was great. Um, let me just read it for you myself, okay? Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Okay, just for a quick reference. So this is the Passion Translation, TPT. This translation says Then Jesus came close to them and said, All the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now, wherever you go, 
make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. Now, just quickly, the reason I I wanted to show these two different translations, they're very, very similar. But if we look at especially verse 19, the NIV says, therefore go. And the TPT, they're trying to keep up with me, thank you. The TPT says, wherever you go. Now, for me personally, I like to put those two together in my own translation in my head. Because by putting them both together, I get both, David, you are to go. Go, go here, there, everywhere. You are to go and make disciples. Where? Wherever you go. So it's not just here at home. When I travel on holiday, make disciples. If I travel overseas for a business conference, make disciples. So that's why I showed these two versions. I like to put them together. And then it gives, gives me the whole, it encompasses everything, okay? So today I want to take a look at this. It's, it's short, it's a short passage, but I think it's extremely significant to us. And I want to look, at, look exactly into what it means. I mean, what does it mean to you and I today in the year 2020? Still sounds weird to say it, yeah, 2020. It, it's still too new. Well, to be honest with you, For me, it means exactly the same today as it did the day that Jesus said it. The meaning hasn't changed. What he wants us to do has not changed. So my thinking was that at this time of the year, when many of us are making our New Year's resolutions, who's made a New Year's resolution already? Wow, only a couple of us. Who's broken them already? Yeah, that can happen, right? You wake up on the first thing and, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to quit this this year. I'm going to make sure I do this. By around the fourth or fifth, quite often it's like, God, what a stupid idea that was. What, 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 what was I thinking about? Forget that for this year. I, I'm not going to bother with it. Um, but yeah, I, I can't honestly think of a better New Year's resolution for us to renew in our minds and agree to undertake again. So that's why I wanted to talk about it now at the, at the beginning of the year. So the Great Commission, it's a direction, if you like. It was an instruction given us to Jesus himself. So what does this actually mean? I mean, to look at the passage, we probably should just quickly make sure that we know what the Great Commission means. So let's break down the actual words first before we look at the meaning. Next slide, please, guys. Okay. So as the slide shows you, the definition of commission is this. An instruction, command, or duty given to a person or group of people. Now, it comes from the the Latin, commissionum. I think I'm pronouncing it right. I studied Latin a long, long, long time ago at school, but kind of forgotten most of it. Uh, But commissionum meant the act of committing, the delegation of business. By the middle of the 14th century, from the old French, we had the word commission. And then from that came the English word commission, meaning authority entrusted to someone. Delegated authority or power. Go back. Authority entrusted to someone. Remember that bit, okay? So once we see the actual meaning of the word commission, I think we can really understand just how important this commission is. 
of course, by adding the word great in front, simply magnifies the importance to us. You know, anything that's called great, we know, ooh, pay attention, watch out, there's something about this. Next slide, please, guys. So let me just give you a quick overview of the Great Commission. Um, in a very short passage, it manages, I feel, to make very clear what the central purpose of life for all Christian believers is. Let me say that again. It's kind of a big statement, I know. The Great Commission makes it very clear what the central purpose of life is for all believers, for all Christian believers. Now, last week, if you were here in answering one of your guys' questions, uh, Pastor Don did that like, uh, what do they call that? Therapist kind of thing? Where I answer a question with a question. Um, but he posed the question to us. The question was, why do we exist? And well, I personally, I think that for Christians, the Great Commission, I think it's very definitely one of the reasons that we exist. Uh, in very simple terms, Christians have the duty given to them by Christ on all authority in heaven to go and spread the good news, make disciples, baptize, and teach. Jesus came to the disciples. He taught them. He worked with them. He then died on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. He then rose from the dead. Thank you, Lord. But before he ascended into heaven, he gave them and please understand, by giving, by giving this commission to them, he's given it to us. You, me, everybody here. All, all, all disciples of Jesus. We've, we've all been given this commission. It was not just to the disciples, okay? Um, before, he ascended in, before he ascended into heaven, he gave them and asked this commission, which is simply to convert the world into followers of the way, followers of him, followers of Jesus, Jesus simply wants us, us, to continue what he began. Now, the central concern of Jesus in the Great Commission is, is quite straightforward. It's that we make disciples. That's the verb in the sentence, go and make disciples. Okay? The core element of the Great Commission is that at the end of the day, disciples are made. Jesus' concern is that the world and the nations be filled with those who love him, serve him, worship him, know him, and follow him eternally. This is all he wants from us. Uh, there's something at this point I feel that uh, I, I should make clear. Uh, I, I want to make it clear. Um, it seems... Like a lot of the time these days and in a lot of churches, it seems like this job has kind of ended up being left for the pastors to do. You know, it's okay. The pastors will do it. But uh, that, was not what it, not, that was not what Jesus intended. That was not his intention whatsoever. You know, the commission was given to all of us, not only pastors in the church. This commission is for every follower of Christ. It's for every one of us to do. The great, the great commission is your commission. It's my commission. And as a Christian, personally, I don't think it's a choice you get to make. 
I don't think it's a choice you get to make as a Christian to say whether you follow this or not. To say you are a follower of Christ, I believe that you undertake to follow this great commission that, that he gave us. Um, so I just want to break this passage down a bit. Next slide, please, guys. Yeah, I just want to break the passage down a bit with you. I just want to focus on, on three questions, okay? There are many, many questions and many, many points that you could look at in this passage. You could probably study it for a year and still keep studying it. But the three points I want to look at today is why should we pay attention to this passage? What is it telling us to do? And thirdly, what's the reward? We all like rewards, right? Okay. What will happen if we do this? Okay. Which, um, this is one thing that struck me. It was kind of like, see, I don't think Jesus looked for rewards. He did what he did out of love. But he knew that us flesh people, us, you know, humans, we kind of, he kind of knew our nature that we like, you know, what's the reward? What will happen if I do this? If I do what you're asking, what do I get? So that's why he included it in the passage. All right. So point one, why should we pay pay particular attention to this passage? I mean, there's quite a few passages in the Bible, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I looked it up last night. There's 31,000 something hundred verses in the Bible. It's a lot of verses. So why should we pay particular attention to this particular passage? So next slide, please. Okay. For me, there's three main reasons and they're listed here. Uh, the three reasons are authority, timing, and repetition. Now, the slide's a bit cryptic on purpose, uh, but you'll understand as I go through. So let's look at the first one, authority. Okay, what's the definition of authority? It means having the right and the power to do something. Having the right and the power to do something. So this passage begins with Jesus reminding us of the power and the authority that he has in giving us this instruction. He said... All authority in heaven and on earth, all authority of the universe has been given to me. So for me, this statement tells us that there is absolutely, there is no authority in heaven which can question the will of Jesus. And there is no authority here on earth that can call his will into question. At the, at, the, at the timing of this passage, uh, Jesus is coming to the end of his time on earth here, right? And so by this point, he has truly shown that he really does have authority over everything. I mean, if you think about it, right? At this point, he has shown authority over sin, authority over demons, authority over disease, and last but not least... He's shown authority over death. You name it. At this point, Jesus has shown his authority over it. There is nothing he has not shown his authority over at this, at this point, okay? He has authority over all natural and all supernatural forces, okay? So there can really be no doubting the power and authority by which he gives us this job, by which he gives us this commission. The instruction to go and make disciples it's not just based on a personal whim. Oh, I feel I just say this. No. It's based on the correct assertion that all 
authority in heaven and on earth is his. Okay, so let's just take a have a minute look at the timing of when Jesus gave this command to the disciples, and of course, in turn, us. Um, he gave this instruction to, the, to his disciples after his resurrection, and just before he ascended back to heaven. In fact, this was the last instruction that he gave to the disciples. This was the last instruction he gave them. I believe that this timing was both crucial and I believe it was predetermined. He left it to the very last minute to give this to the, to the disciples so that they'd remember it. That's my feeling. Uh, next slide, please. Okay, David. What the heck? You're talking about the Great Commission and there's a slide list that says, don't forget the laundry. Um, <laughs> you'll see where this goes in a minute. So um, let me just ask you this. Do you think that it was coincidental? Do you think it was coincidental that this is the last instruction that he gives? Of course not, right? Of course not. Of course it wasn't coincidental. Uh, how many husbands are here today? If you're a husband in the room, put your hand up. Come on, don't be shy, fellas. I know there's more of you than that. Okay, so right now I'm talking to you, okay? Now, <laughs> to coin one of your terms here, I might get in trouble here a little bit, but oh well, I think I'll be all right. Um, how many of you husbands think that when you're just about to leave the house and your wife yells out, Honey, don't forget to pay the electric bill. Or, honey, don't forget the laundry. Or, and this is my favorite one. I will get in trouble later, but anyways. Um, honey, don't forget to go to the ATM on your way home. I'm out of cash. <laughs> um, do you think it's coincidence that she does this just as you're leaving the house? Of course not, right? You know, I, I'll be honest. If I got these instructions like 30 minutes, an hour before I was leaving the house, I forget it. I would forget it. But so it's not coincidence that your wife waits until you're about to go because she wants to make sure you remember it. Very simply, I believe this was the same with Jesus with this great commission to, to the disciples. So, you know, I don't believe this was coincidence either. Jesus gave the great commission to them at a very specific time and in a very calculated manner to, to make sure it wasn't forgotten. Um, as a bit of a sidetrack here, I mean, one of probably, I don't know, two, three million questions that I have for Jesus when I meet him in heaven is going to be this. I, I'm curious. I actually, I, I really want to know from him how long before he gave the Great Commission had he already decided that this would be his final instruction to the disciples? I wonder if he thought of it like the day before, or a week before, if it had been his, you know, sitting on it for a month before he gave them. Uh, I've probably got about two million other questions, but that's one I want to ask him. So, uh, okay, one last point on why, why I believe that this passage is important is this. The Great Commission is actually so significant that Jesus gave it to us, not just in Matthew, 
He didn't just give it to us in two books or three books. No. He actually gave us basically the same message in five different ways. Five. Five different ways in five different books. So I think he really wanted to get this message through to us all, don't you? You know, five different books, five different ways. So I think it's important that we see the, see the other scriptures where this is. So next slide, please. Um, okay, so firstly in Mark 16, 15. Again, can you guys read this one with me, the top one? On three, one, two, three. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. So again, you've got go, all the world, preach, okay? Luke 24, 46, 47 says, he told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Uh, the third one here, John twenty twenty one. Again, can you read this one with me, please? On three, one, two, three. Again, Jesus said, Yeah, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then lastly, in Acts 1, uh, verse 8, it says, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, you know, witness being somebody who goes out and tells people about somebody, very simply, which is what he asked us to do in the, in the Great Commission. How am I doing for time, guys? I don't have a timer up. <laughs> I think I'm all right. So if you look at all these three factors, the authority, the timing, and the repetition, again, it's very obvious to me that Jesus really wants us to pay attention to this passage. There was one thing I really got when I was studying this passage was just how much he really wanted to make sure that we didn't miss it somehow, okay? Uh, so let's move on to what the passage is actually instructing us to do. So what is it telling us to do was the, the second question. Next slide, please, guys. Okay, so there it is. So the primary command of this passage, quite simply, is to go and make disciples. Before we can go and make disciples, I think we better make sure that we know what is a disciple. Because if we're going to go and make them, we should know what one is first, right? Uh, the standard definition is this, of, of disciple. It is someone who adheres to the teaching of another, a follower. Someone who takes up the ways of someone else. Very clear, you know? So in the sense of Jesus, I think you can say that a disciple is someone who learns from him to live like him. I consider myself a disciple. And right there, that's it. How many words is that? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven words. That really sums it up to me. Yeah. Someone who learns from him. That's what I'm trying to do all the time. And to learn from him to live like him. I think that's what we're all striving to do, right? Um, you know, it is someone who takes up his burden to save the lost. Someone who takes up his burden to repair the broken. To heal the sick. 
to free the chained. That's what it's about for me. So why is it important? Well, the original disciples were chosen to carry the message of salvation through Jesus, right? Uh, The gospel, we call it, to all the peoples in the world. Now, as followers of Christ, this has become our job to continue this. This has become our job. I just want to take a minute here. Uh, I want to ask you something. Imagine if right now, from this second right now, everyone stopped making disciples. Just think about that. Imagine if, man, imagine if no more people ever get saved. Right now, from this moment on, that's it. The whole world of Christians have decided, that's it. Not making disciples anymore. Scary thought, right? Those, those of you that have kids, hands up if you've got kids. Quite a few. Okay. So for those of you that have children, think about that. Think about them never knowing Jesus. Think about your kids never knowing Jesus. I have two in here. Uh, no, I don't, I don't even want to think about that, to be honest with you. You know, about them never knowing Jesus. Think if your parents had never been saved, had never been introduced to Jesus. Think if your grandparents had never been saved, never been introduced to Jesus. Think of the likely consequences of that for yourselves. Just imagine that. Just think now. You know, I'm sure there are still millions of lost souls in this generation. Just imagine, they never get saved. All future generations, never saved. I mean, come on, what kind of world would that be? Would you want to be a part of that world? I sure as heck no, I wouldn't want to be a part of that world. That's for sure. No way, man. So, um, I want you to do something for me right now, please. I want you to clear your minds. So, stop thinking about where you're going for lunch. Um, What are you going to do at work tomorrow? Uh, What shopping you have to do this afternoon? Uh, How much longer David's going to talk? Um. (laughs) Okay, have you managed to kind of clear your minds? Yeah, all right. This is what I want you to think about now. Think about right now, with a clear mind, what your life would be like now without Jesus. Think just for yourself. What would your life be like now without Jesus? Imagine if all Christians a generation or two ago had stopped pursuing the Great Commission. Just imagine that. Yeah? I'm just going to leave that one in your head, okay? So I think you can see that the importance of making disciples is very obvious, yeah? Uh, and it's something that we have to continue. Guys, I've still got a bit, I'm afraid. Sorry. I don't have a time. Oh, there, I've got a timer now, but I don't know. Um, so how do we do this? How do we make the disciples? Well, luckily, the passage is very clear. Jesus didn't just give us an instruction to do something, but then not tell us how to do it. It's just not his way. He said, yes, I want you to go and make disciples, and this is how you do it. You go, 
you baptize, and you teach. So if we just look at the first instruction, okay, go. This doesn't mean you have to leave your country. Uh, okay, <laughs> some people do. Some people it does mean that. Some people are happily living life in the United States and... You know, uh, I, I can't remember how many churches at the time, uh, family, everything. And God says, hmm. Pastor Don, I want you to go to Indonesia. Wow. Okay. So it does happen to some. Okay. But not most. It doesn't mean you have to leave your family, your country, your home behind. Um, for most of us, there are many opportunities without even, without even leaving the normal sphere of your everyday life. Your neighbors, work colleagues, family friends, all the people that you come into contact with on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, there are probably many opportunities for you to make disciples in the realm of your everyday life that you don't even know about because you've never stopped to think about it, okay? I'm guessing that if each of you made a list of all the people that you know and that you have regular contact with, I'm guessing you could not list all of their faiths. Or even, indeed, if some of them even have a, have a belief system. Yeah? So, church, at this point, I'm really, I'm really asking you here, please, 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 just begin to talk to people about Jesus. I needed him. There was a time when you all needed him, I'm sure. Someone spoke to you. Somebody brought you to Jesus. Please don't worry if you think that you know enough about Jesus to talk to people. Please don't worry if you think, I don't have the right education to talk to people about Jesus. You know him personally, right? You know Jesus? Lily, you know Jesus? Kevin, you, uh, you know Jesus? Kelvin, you know Jesus? You all know Jesus, right? Most of you that are here know Jesus personally. What else do you need to be able to talk to people about him? That's all you need. You don't need knowledge, education. You know him. So please start talking to people about Jesus. Um, this does raise a point about something that is kind of a rising trend in today's societies. Uh, it's about something that's called privatization. And uh, I had to get a Ravi Zacharias quote in here somewhere today, which I've managed to do. Uh, he says that privatization is the view that no matter what you believe, one simply does not bring it into the public square. Uh, when I read this, I thought, wow, he really knows the British people. Because <laughs> that's us. In a nutshell, that's the majority of British, British people. I'm looking for my friend here, but I can't, I can't see him. Um, you know, British people are very, very much like that. Yeah, think what you like, just, just keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Keep quiet about it. Okay? And, and, and unfortunately, this idea is quite prevalent in today's society. It doesn't matter what you believe. Yeah? It doesn't matter what you believe, but, oh, no, 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 please. Don't let it influence your work or share it with your, your neighbors or your colleagues. No matter what you believe, please keep it to yourself. This is kind of a rising trend in today's society. Um, obviously, this does not really work very well with the Great Commission, you know. Uh, but unfortunately, it is and has begun 
to be keeping Christians in their churches today and not out evangelizing and making disciples. You know, one of the common refrains that you'll hear today from Christians is, why should I say anything at all? I, I might lose my friends. Okay, and again, I might get in trouble here, but please, if this is you, please really take a look at Matthew 28, 18 to 20 again and decide if this is really how Jesus wants us to act. Okay, let's move on to baptize. Uh, question. Do you guys know, do you, do you all know that all of you, that you all have the ability to baptize? Amen. Do you know that? It's not only this guy here. Okay. You all have the ability to baptize. And if you didn't, on all authority in heaven, Jesus would not have made that part of the commission for you to do, right? Very simple, okay? If you have the spirit of the living God living inside you, you too have the authority to do it. Now, again, the people here with kids, wouldn't it be amazing? Don't you think it'd be amazing to baptize your kids yourself? You know? Or your friends or your partners to be there when they surrender and give the rest of their lives to Jesus. It would just be amazing. Uh, I'm blessed. I have been fortunate enough to baptize some. And yeah, it's an amazing feeling. But you can all do it. You all have the authority to do it. So don't be scared. If you're talking about somebody to, Jesus, to somebody about Jesus and they say to you, you know what? Yeah. I want to surrender my life to Christ. Go find a pool, baptize them. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to skip a bit then. Okay. The final instruction was to teach. So go baptize, teach. All right. The passage says that we are to teach disciples to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. Now to achieve this, we have, we have two main methods at our disposal. Okay. Firstly, we can teach verbally, of course, which is what we term evangelizing in this instance, okay? Uh, literally means to share religious beliefs, especially Christian ones, with other people. But I believe there's a, as, at least as important a way that we can teach people. I, I don't believe that following the Great Commission is just about speaking. Teaching is not only done verbally, right? When your kids were young, how did you teach them? Okay, Hannah right now. She's coming up 16 months. We teach her by showing her things, okay? We have no idea if she understands the words that we're speaking to her yet, because she speaks back to us, but it's like... Right? So we don't know if, she, if, she's, if she's getting what we, say, what we say or not. But you can, do, you can also teach by showing, by... So, by them seeing how we do things. And this also applies to the Great Commission. Letting people see how you live, people being aware of your actions and how you act. Uh, people seeing the, the life that you live as a disciple of Christ is already a powerful witness without you saying anything. Them seeing the life that you live as a disciple is already a powerful witness. Once people see how you live you know what? They want to know who you are. 
that opens the door. You then have the opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. You want to know why I live like I live? Come and sit down, have a cup of tea, let's talk. Okay. Uh, slide 12, please, guys, the next ones. Okay. So I talked about this at the beginning, you know. What will happen if we do this? I've asked you to do something big. What will happen if you do it? Basically, you know, Jesus gave us a beautiful promise at the end of this passage. Um, well, I keep asking you to do things for me, don't, don't, don't I? I'll, I'll have to remember that next time if there's, if there's a next time. Um, <laughs> Can everyone please stand right now? (laughs) All right. Now, if you want Jesus with you to the very end of the age, please stay standing. If you do not want Jesus with you to the very end of the age, please sit down. Whew. Nobody sat down. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is the promise he makes. Sorry, you can all sit down now, please. Thank you. You know, so for all of you, because you all remain standing, you know, guess what? You're, you're in luck. You are in luck. Jesus gives us that incredible promise at the end of the passage. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you always to the very end of the age. I mean, wow. If you don't find that amazing, if that doesn't give you goosebumps, I don't know what will. Simply go and make disciples and I give you this promise. So basically today we've looked at the task, the job, if you will, that was assigned to us by Jesus. The Great Commission. Go and make disciples, baptize, teach. As as I was studying for... And preparing for this sermon today, uh, I, I got to admit, um, I've always liked the passage, but really studying it, it was a huge awakening. Seriously, it was like a massive wake-up call to myself. It really, really was. And uh, uh, it really made me stop and think. Um, it made me realize that I tr- truly need to. And indeed, actually, I believe I have a responsibility to go more, way more than I do. I, I've been in that busy life scenario, you know, um, I got work deadlines, I'm too tired, the kids have worn me out, uh, I've got too much on my mind. Um, I've been through the privatization issues as well. Like, like I said, being English, it's natural, it's, it's, it's born in us. Um, you know, I don't want to bother my friend. Oh, I don't think he's interested in Jesus. Um, Oh, she's a Buddhist. I can't talk to her about Jesus. Um, I don't want to offend him. But as we've seen today, this is not how God wants us to be. He wants us to get out there and go. Go and make disciples. So I'm asking you now. I'm asking you. Will you please, will you all join me? As we start a new year, what do you say? What do you say that we join together and we do this together? Let's resolve to go together and make disciples of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's make sure that our children, 
and our children's children know Jesus and get to live their life with him. Thank you.